Praise the Lord. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. Uh, Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 6, verse 7. Revelation chapter 6, verse 7. And I will tell you before we read this, um, last week uh, I had the privilege, I was preaching in Henderson. Uh, I've been on a series here in Evansville on the end. And how many have ever studied Revelation and it just is heavy? How many have ever done that? It's like really heavy to go through Revelation. And um, I'm on part seven of this series. And uh, because of the fact in Henderson, I'm not on that series. I don't want to get out of the loop, you know, of what I've been going through in Evansville. So um, I just prayed and prayed and God gave me a message about hope. And uh, I can remember um, last Sunday morning, I finished that message and was just so happy and just so full of joy. And and I uh, actually w- sat down and thanked God that I got to be the one to deliver it. You know, wrote down a narrative there to myself. Um, have you ever delivered good news and how good it felt and how nice it was to do that? And um So as a preacher, this is just me being honest with you. I uh, beg God to let me come to Evansville and preach that message again. I said, God, please let me preach that message. You know, that's the one I want to preach. And and I actually asked about half a dozen people, what would you rather hear, the message about hope? And everybody was happy and everybody was full of joy. And or part seven of my series on the writer named death and all six of them said we need to hear the one about the writer named death and so that breaks my heart (laughs) i gotta be faithful to the lord and how many know we gotta be faithful when you're preaching the truth to preach what god's god's called you to preach so let's pray this morning and uh let's pray that god helps us as we study this together this morning okay let's pray Heavenly Father, we love you, and Lord, we, um, we want to be faithful to what you've called us to do, Lord. Lord, we want to be faithful, deliver uh, your message of hope, Lord God, your message of truth, Lord, every um, good, every bad, everything that you're, you desire for us to minister, Lord God, um, we want to deliver it faithfully, Lord, to this generation, and uh, we just want to one day... Uh, be able to face you and say, Lord, we did what you asked us to do, Lord. And so as we deliver it and as we receive it, Lord, I just pray that you would bless um, as we speak it and as we hear it, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Um, It says, When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Wow. Um, Have you ever read the Bible and just had to reread it and just say, wow, is that saying what I think that says? 
And as you look at all the different versions, New International Version, that last part says, they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague by the wild beasts of the earth. King James, and power was given to them over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with beasts of the earth. No matter what version you look at, it's, it's dire, isn't it? And uh, how many know that we need to know uh, what the Bible says about the end? And that's what this series is all about. Trying to figure out there's a seven-year tribulation uh, that Jesus spoke about that's going to come upon the earth. And it may be in our generation, it may not. But all seven parts of this series that I've been preaching on the end is just describing in detail what it will look like when it comes upon the earth. So when it happens, not only do we recognize it, um, but we prepare properly not to be here. Hallelujah. So there's going to be a part of this message that is going to be um, the greatest hopeful message that you can ever hear. The greatest uh, gospel message that you can possibly hear that God did not appoint us to be here during this time. Here's how Jesus described this period of time in Matthew 24, verse 21. Jesus said, So for then shall be great tribulation, such as not, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no ever shall be. And except those days be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. For the elect's sake, these days will be shortened. Uh, that last, or that first part, it says, in NIV, it says it this way. There will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. Another version. This is just how they're trying to interpret the, the Greek there, okay? Another version interprets it this way. For there will be greater anguish than any time since the world began. It never will be so great again. Uh, English Standard, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, English Standard. For there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until now. No, there never will ever be again. How many of you see what Jesus is saying there? There's a period of time coming on the earth called the tribulation and there will never be another time like it and there hasn't been since the beginning of the world. When Jesus says that, how many know that is something we need to listen to? And so... That's what this scripture in Revelation is talking about. It's talking about these four horsemen that are coming forward and they're going to be released at the beginning of this tribulation period. In fact, we call them the four horsemen. And and I went through in this series, that first horseman is this white horse that's going to be released. And then there's going to be, and that white horse is the Antichrist that the Bible says uh, is going to be released at the beginning of the tribulation and he's going to be sent forth to conquer. How many remember that? In Revelation chapter 6, then you have the second horse that's going to come forward and he's going to remove peace from the earth. He's going to have a sword and uh, men are literally going to want to fight with one another. And there's going to be wars all across the world. People, when peace is taken from the earth, how many know that it's a very violent earth? And Jesus said, uh, there will never be another period of time more violent than this seven year period. And, um, then the third horse was the one I talked about last week. And this was a strange horse, 
um, its rider had scales in its hand. And last week I explained how those scales were measuring food. And it was saying a certain price that you would pay for food. And it was saying that people in the world would work all day uh, and, and the whole day's wages it would cost for just bread. Which means superinflation, hyperinflation. So last week, I, or last time I preached here two weeks ago, I explained what the tribulation economy would look like. Like what, what it would look like if we were in that economy. And now we've got this fourth rider, um, that is a pale horse and with it has the power that one fourth of the earth would be killed. Um, so start doing the math on that. Approximately right now, there are almost 8 billion people, they say, on the earth. And if this particular rider in the tribulation has power over one-fourth of the earth to kill, that's nearly 2 billion people dead on the earth. And um, how many know this is very sobering? And so I started looking back, and again, this is why I really was... <laughs> so hesitant that I didn't want to preach this, honestly. But as you begin to look at it, I started looking through some historic times when there were large amounts of death toll. How many know this writer literally is death tolls? You know, he's literally going through and saying in a seven-year period called the tribulation when it comes upon this earth... When the Antichrist is finally released one day, it may be in our generation, it may be in another generation, but everything I've preached in this series looks like it could be in our generation. And sometimes we don't recognize the repercussions of what we preach. Like we don't realize, does the Bible really say that? How many of you know when you read it, there, there are, I mean, we've got to, if we believe the Bible... We've got to believe exactly what it says there is going to happen. One-fourth of the earth will be dead. And this is the beginning of this tribulation. This is the very first part of it, okay? So the death toll is very high. So I started looking back at some... Boy, is this morbid or what? I started looking back at some of the largest death tolls we've ever seen. Just to see if we've what we've seen and what it was like. And so one of the first ones I looked at in our country was the Civil War. How many believe that the Civil War was very traumatic for people that lived in that period of time? Civil War had to be so traumatic. Um, 620,000 Americans were killed. Some estimates go as high as 700,000. So just imagine all our citizens... And just imagine going through those states where there were civil war battles. Uh, we haven't seen this in our lifetime, have we, really, in our, in our nation. 700,000 people um, just dead over a short period of time in the civil war. And then I started, this is just the area of wars. Then I started looking, the first world war uh, that involved multiple nations, World War I, right, and they said never in the history of mankind had there been a world war with modern warfare. And that's why they called it World War I. 
Because they'd never seen anything like it. It was the war, they said, to end all wars. How many know what I'm preaching this morning is just reality? I'm looking at history books here. Um, the death toll in World War I was 17 million deaths. In four to five years of fighting. And they said this is the war that will end all wars. We've never seen anything like it. We've never seen that type of war machinery used, nation, that many nations involved. And they said, we'll never see a war like that ever again, except within 30 years, there was World War II. And in World War II, get this, 70, this is the best statistic they have, and there's lots of varying ones, but 72 million deaths. 72,468,900 is what they say. 72 million deaths. I don't think that registers even, does it? 72 million people died in that short period of time called World War II. How many have memories? Anybody have any memories of people going away to World War II? Or, and uh, just imagine the, what they had to endure over there fighting in World War II. And, and you know, our casualties, I looked this up, our casualties, 405,000 Americans. And we uh, represented a half to 1% of the total deaths. Isn't this amazing? I mean, this is fairly recent history. Can you imagine 17,400,000 people that died in this war? Six million were Jews just in the Holocaust. And how many have ever went to the Holocaust Museum and looked at what happened, you know? And, and so sometimes don't we overestimate mankind? It's a man, it could never happen, you know, this could never happen. Um, and, and as we look at that fourth of mankind, that's just the first couple of seals. I mean, no, that's just the first four seals. And our scripture says, let me read it again. It says, the lamb opened the fourth seal. Lamb is Jesus. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named death and Hades and followed close behind, Hades followed close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, that's war, famine and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth. Plagues, I looked this up, listen to this story. In October of 1347, when a Genoese trading ship, fresh from the Crimea, docked at the harbor of Sicily, dead and dying, men lay at the oars. The sailors had black swellings the size of eggs in their armpits and groins, swellings that oozed blood and pus and spreading boils and black blotches of skin. The skin in, or sick endured severe pain, and died within five days. Other symptoms appeared. In the, some of the next victims, continuous fever, spitting of blood, victims coughed, sweated heavily, died within those days or less, sometimes within 24 hours. This was called the bubonic plague. How many know the bubonic plague in 1346 killed somewhere between 75 and 200 million people? Isn't that amazing? This is plagues. Now you see why I didn't want to deliver this. This is the most morbid message I've ever delivered. And last week maybe was one of the happiest I've ever... But how many know we need to hear this? 
We need to hear it. It's good medicine sometimes. Uh, how many hate taking medicine? <laughs> but we need to hear this sometimes. I'm so sorry. I, I apologize for this, but I, I always they always say don't apologize, but I just feel so terrible. Asian flu, 1956. How many remember Asian flu? Some people still remember that. 1956, 1958, two years, they say two million people died. Flu pandemic from 1918, 20 to 50 million. Cholera pandemic from 1910, 800,000. Flu pandemic uh, from 1889, 1 million. Um, cholera, 1 million in 1852. Uh, plague of Justinian in 541, 25 million. Antonian plague from 165, 5 million. Uh, the numbers for COVID, they say uh, worldwide is 6.5 million. But then they also say... United States was 1 million of those 6.5 million. So we kind of know there's lots of debate on those numbers, but we know a lot of people did die, right? So this is plague. Famine. The Great Famine of 1315, 7.5 million deaths. The Chinese Famine of 1333 was 6 million deaths. The Great Chinese Famine, um, how many of you remember the communist uh, famine that was orchestrated by the communist government? That would have been in 1958. Um, somewhere between 15 and 55 million people died. One of the greatest um, man-made disasters ever, and it was by communism. How many of you know that from your history books? 15 to 50 million people by Mao, um, Emperor Mao, uh, during that period of time. Communist. Uh, the Soviet famine, very similar under Stalin, 1930. Um, 5.7 to 8.7 million people died of famine and starvation during the communist um, famine that Stalin orchestrated. Um, so anyway, I give you all these numbers. Do you hear those staggering numbers? But the Bible says when the tribulation comes upon the earth, the fourth horseman is going to be death. And when he is released... With him is going to be an antichrist that is going to be set forth for conquest. Um, his, his kingdom's only going to last seven years and it's going to be nothing but death, bloodshed. There's going to be all kinds of cosmic disturbances, all kinds of things that I'll go through here. It won't be a long kingdom, but how many know Jesus himself said this will be the worst time that has ever come upon the earth. Nothing since the beginning until now will compare. And how many know Black Death sounds pretty bad, bubonic plague. Um, World War II sounds pretty bad. Um, famines by the communist China and famines by communist Russia sound pretty bad, don't they? But the Bible says that tribulation, that seven-year period, will be worse than any of those things. You can wrap all those things together and it still won't be worse than the seven-year tribulation period. <clears throat> Hallelujah. This is the least shouting message I've ever had. All right. So I'm going to break it down into a, really two periods here. Just to kind of break this down. The first period I want to talk about is, um, is the pre-tribulation time period. That means before the tribulation comes upon the earth. Again, we don't know the day or the hour Jesus said it's going to come like a thief in the night. It's going to come suddenly. It's going to come without signs. It's going to come without notice. It's suddenly going to come upon the earth. 
And, but there's this period that we're living in right now where it hasn't happened. And the very next event that is on the prophetic calendar is called the rapture of the church. In fact, the Bible calls it that, um, um, that great, um, blessed hope, the Bible calls it. Now, why would the Bible call it a blessed hope? Um, because of the fact, in fact, listen to this. Jesus says in Luke 21, 34, he says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who are on the face of the earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may, may be able to escape all that is about to happen and so that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Did one word stand out to you there? One word stood out to me. Escape. (laughs) How many would like to escape this hour? How many would like to be with the Son of Man in heaven during this hour and here's the great news that Jesus Christ is offering. In fact, the Bible says in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. How many know that Jesus said we're not appointed to suffer the wrath that is coming upon this earth? Jesus Christ has offered a way. We have a real Savior and the good news of the gospel. In fact, I wish I could stay on this part of the message the whole time. Jesus Christ has offered a way of escape. And I just read it to you in Luke 21. He said, everything that's coming upon the earth, you can escape it and you can be before the Son of Man. And you don't have to be here when all this comes upon the earth. How many would say to yourself, man, I don't want to be here. How many would say, I don't want my kids to be here? How many would say, I don't want my worst enemy to be here? And can I tell you, this is the gospel. Jesus Christ is telling us the truth. If we've ever heard the truth, this preacher is telling you the truth. And sometimes I sit down and say, God, why do I have to preach this? Nobody else is preaching it. How many have heard this message recently? Jesus Christ says, this is coming Upon the earth, and I do not want you to be here. I want you to be out of here. I want my church to be raptured. My church is not going to be here. Hallelujah. That's the good news. We should be shouting that message to our kids. We should be shouting that message to our friends, to our neighbors. Why is nobody shouting that message out? God doesn't want us to be here. God has saved us from the hour of trial that's coming upon the world. Hallelujah. But, this is the period before the tribulation that we live in right now. And now I'm going to take you through, in fact, uh, listen to this, this is some of the promises. Uh, Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5.2, this church in Thessalonica was young believers and they were actually troubled. They were very uh, worried. Because Paul had spent time ministering to them. This was probably 15 years after Jesus Christ was resurrected. And Paul, very early in his ministry, is ministering to the Thessalonians. And they were worried because there was persecution in their city. And they were worried they missed the rapture. They were worried they were missing the coming of the Lord. And Paul said, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 
While people are saying there is peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. Now what's he want us to do? Escape. But he says the world will not escape. And it says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night and not of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, put on our breastplates of faith and love, and a helmet of hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. Hallelujah. God hasn't destined us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. How many of you know Paul was preaching the message that I'm preaching this morning? There is a day coming and it's going to catch the world off guard. They're not going to be ready for it. But because you know the word, the Bible says we aren't like the world. That we know what's coming upon the world. We're prepared. We're ready. We're ready to escape. But the world won't have that same escape. They won't have that same salvation. And that's why Paul is comforting them to encourage one another. He's not saying I'm encouraging you because you're going through it. He said I'm encouraging you because the wrath is not appointed for you. God doesn't want you to go through that. Uh, Matthew 24, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Um, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving a marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. How many know we're just going to be living life like normal, and all of a sudden, Judgment is going to come upon this earth and it's going to be worse than anything we've ever seen. Hallelujah. So what is it going to look like? Let's say that we're not ready. Let's say that we completely ignored the message of Jesus Christ. We didn't accept that way of escape. So what is it going to look like? Play by play. That's what I kind of put down here today is to go through and give you an idea what it's going to look like. Well, the first thing we see is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. John said in Revelation 4, 1, After this I looked, and there was a door standing open in heaven. I just want to stop right there. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Man, how many would like to see a door standing open in heaven? Man, what an opportunity. John, we just look over that like we hear that all the time. John seen a door open in heaven. Man, who let the door open? Man, somebody forgot to shut the door. What's the deal here? John seen a door open in heaven. And the first voice I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here so I can show you what must happen after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit and a throne was standing in heaven with somebody seated on it. How many know that John got to go through this open door and when he walked in, this place is packed with so many people he can't count them? And how many know that I just read scriptures that said that when we escape, it says that we're going to be with him in heaven? 
And how many know that if we're ready and we're right with God and we accept his plan of escape and his way of salvation, how many know we got the best seat in the house because we went through that open door and we're sitting at the throne room of God and he's about to open these seals. And so church, can I tell you, I'm just begging you this morning. Jesus Christ is worth serving in this world because of the hope of heaven. There's going to be a door that's open and only those who are in Christ are going to see it. Only those who are in Christ are going to hear that call. Only those who are in Christ are going to hear that shout of glory that says, come on up. And the door is going to be open and we're going to be able to walk right into the throne room of God. How many are excited about seeing an open door in heaven? <laughs> that excites me because I don't want to be on the earth. I want to be in heaven and everybody that I love, I want to be in heaven. Hallelujah. Second thing that happens, I just put a chronological order here. Daniel 9.27 says, The Antichrist will sign a covenant for seven years with the nation of Israel. It says this in Daniel 9.27, He will confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of that week he will bring sacrifices and offerings to a halt on the wing on the wing, on the Wing of abominations will come, one who destroys, until the decree ends, is poured out in the one who destroys. So basically, the Antichrist, the starting point of the seven-year tribulation is this Antichrist will sign a seven-year peace deal with Israel. That's the second thing that will happen. Revelation chapter 3, the third thing that will happen. Christ opens the first seal in heaven, and guess who's watching him open the seal? The Bible says that so many people you can't count. We are in heaven watching him open the first seal that's getting ready to come upon the earth. The first seal, it says the lamb opened the first seal. I looked and the lamb opened one of the seven seals. I heard one of the four living creatures say with a thunderous voice, come, so I looked and here came a white horse and the one who rode on it had a bow and was given a crown as a conqueror and he rode out to conquer. How many know this is the Antichrist that is released to set up his short, Terrible kingdom. In fact, this kingdom won't last long. It won't be a good kingdom. It'll fall apart. It'll be fragile. But it'll be over the entire earth. How many know that? I'm giving you the chronology here. You don't always get this chronology. Revelation. Uh, the next thing will happen. The second seal will be opened. The lamb opened the second seal. I heard a second living creature saying, Come. And another horse, fiery red, came out. And one who rode it was granted permission to take peace from the earth so that people would butcher one another. And he was given a huge sword. You following me here? So the Antichrist signs an agreement. The Antichrist comes to conquer. The second horse, people begin to butcher one another. The third seal, Revelation 6-5. Famine and inflation. It says, then the lamb opened the third seal and I heard living creatures say, come. I looked, black horse. The one who wrote it had a balanced skill in his hand. I heard something like a voice among the four living creatures. A quart of wheat will cost a day's pay. Three quarters barley will cost a day's pay, but do not damage the oil and the wine. This is extreme hunger and famine that's coming upon the earth. That's immediately released in the seven-year period. I preached about that last week. The fourth seal. This is uh, when the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice. The fourth living creature say, come. I looked and there before me was a pale horse, the rider named Death and Hades, following close behind. He was given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and the wild beasts of the earth. So immediately the fourth horse, one fourth of the earth, almost immediately in the seven year period, dies. 
Do you understand what I'm reading here, church? Very somber here. So if we're not ready, if we're not right with God, if we're not serving and we don't take that salvation that's so precious, we're here on the earth when this happens, if it's in our generation. I mean, And you know what's worse than this? Dying without the Lord. At least there's a slight, slim bit of hope if I enter the tribulation. But if I die without Christ, that's worse than even going into the tribulation. How many know that? we got to know Christ. I mean, this is very somber this morning. So he goes on, and I'm just giving the breakdown here. This is the four seals, or the four horsemen are released. And after the fourth horseman, do you notice that one-fourth of the earth has now died? And now comes the fifth one, the fifth thing, right? The fifth seal. It says, with the fifth seal... Revelation 6, 9 to 11, it says, Now the Lamb opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been violently killed because of the word of God and because of the testimony that they had. They cried out with a loud voice, How long, sovereign master, holy and true, before you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? Each of them had been given a long robe, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number had been reached of both their fellow servants and the brothers who were going to be killed just as they had been. Wow. So one-fourth have already died, and now they come to heaven. So it's not just the fourth, because now they're hunting down those who... um, How did they say it here? Killed because of the word of God and the testimony that they had. So what does that tell you is going to happen immediately in the seven year period? The church is gone. And now there are those after the seven year period that say, you know what? I remember that day. What's the date today? I remember October the 16th when Pastor Chad preached that message he didn't want to preach. I remember him telling me about this day and I didn't listen and here I am. And if you put your faith in Christ in that day, guess what you've already endured? Two billion bodies on the earth, extreme hunger, wars that like nobody has ever seen, right? You've seen things that nobody has ever seen before. Two billion, remember the 71 million we really were amazed in World War II? Two billion people have died, and now you're trying to serve the Lord. And guess what happens? There's a multitude. Um, when, these, when these people die, there's a multitude in heaven that can't be counted. There are that many martyrs that have entered heaven at this point. And it says, wait, there's going to be more. So if one-fourth have already died, now what population of the earth is left? When all the believers are rounded up and you say, well, man, that could not happen, Chad. How many have ever seen, I mean, upwards of 100 million people died during the Chinese Communist Revolution? How many know that? Almost 100 million people Mao put to death because he was an atheist. How many know that these nations, Chinese Revolution, the uh, Russian Revolution, these atheistic regimes rounded people up? And the Bible is clearly, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not being fantastic, I'm not trying to really, you know, 
impress people with my preaching. I'm just reading it off the page. They're going to round up anybody who is a believer in this period of time. And they're all going to be martyred. They're going to try to completely remove Christianity from the face of the earth. Is what the Bible is saying. Now why would the Bible say this? Why would the Bible be such a reasonable book? And then all of a sudden give these warnings. Right? And so the fifth seal is just martyrs around the world being rounded up. Whatever Christians have came to faith, they're being hunted down like animals. Okay, and I'm just being as honest as I can be this morning. Great message, huh? That's why I don't have a large attendance, I guess, huh? <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew 24 about this time period, verse 9, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. So what that means is that your family members are going to turn you in. People are going to betray you and they're going to hate you. And it's going to be, he said, all over the world. So why would Jesus say that? I don't think he's a liar, is he? Jesus isn't a liar. He's telling us the truth that family members are going to turn us in. You're going to be hiding and trying to get a scrap of bread and they're going to turn you in. And you say, well, man, I'm going to wait until the tribulation and serve the Lord. And I'm telling you, how are you going to do that? Isn't it easier just to love him and trust him now? Is he so terrible that we can't trust him with all of our heart now and be ready and escape what's coming upon the earth because he doesn't want us to have that? He doesn't want anybody on the earth to have this. That's why he put it in print, protected his word and said, you don't have to, world, you don't have to go through this. I don't want you to go through this. I died so you don't have to go through this. But the world still says, we don't want you, Lord. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Then we go here to the next one, the sixth seal. Okay, remember, a fourth of the earth have already died. Then we have the martyrs. And then we get to the sixth seal. It says, then I looked, this is Revelation 6, 12. I looked when the Lamb opened the sixth seal, and a huge earthquake took place. The sun became black as sackcloth. And the full moon became blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth like a fig tree, dropping its unripe figs and shaken by a fierce wind. The sky split apart like a scroll being rolled up. Every mountain and island was moved from its place. Kings of the earth, the very important people, the generals, the rich, the powerful, everyone slave and free, hid in themselves in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. And hide us from the face of the one who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb because the great day of wrath has now come. Who is able to withstand it? So one-fourth have already died. Then the martyrs are rounded up and are entering heaven. And then the greatest earthquake the world has ever seen. Worldwide earthquakes have now hit the earth. How many people want to be here during this period of time? Church, I can't even hardly in my mind understand it. And I know this is heavy. That's why I was, you know, I actually on my phone have my message from last week and I have it in my truck where I could have gone and grabbed it. And uh, because I didn't want to preach this, but this is what we need. Hallelujah. The seventh seal comes and it introduces the more severe judgments, which are called the trumpet judgments. So the seventh seal introduces the seven trumpet judgments. And it says it this way in Revelation 8.1. It says, Now the Lamb opened the seventh seal, and heaven became silent for about a half an hour. This is like the 
jury getting ready to give their verdict. It just gets eerily quiet in heaven. Everybody's praising God. Everybody's having, you know, their, their, the lamb is there in the center. Everybody's worshiping. Everybody's praising. Um, you know, they've, all these things are going to happen. Then all of a sudden, everybody's just quiet. Because something very severe is about to happen. And it says, Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel holding a golden censer came and stationed at the altar. A large amount of incense was given to him to offer up with the prayer of all the saints in the golden altar before the throne. The smoke coming from the incense along with the prayers of the saints ascended before God in the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer filled with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were crashes of thunder, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake, another earthquake. Now the seven angels holding seven trumpets prepared to blow them. First trumpet. It says, the first trumpet in Revelation 8, 7, the first angel blew his trumpet, and there was hell and fire mixed with blood. It was thrown on the earth, and one-third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up, and and a third of the green grass was burned up. Boy, anybody ever had a major grass fire? If you live out in the country, it's kind of a thing that happens. And uh, I've, I've done it a couple times, actually, setting a bonfire and burning my wood and boy it's awful you know (laughs) all of your land is scorched and smoke's still coming up and you're like oh wow I'm a real hill for doing that you know I didn't realize it but all my neighbors are volunteer firefighters and so I I set it on fire one day and you know probably set five acres on fire and so I called 911 and all my neighbors have water trucks and everybody was laughing and they were, you know, very eager to come and put out the fire. But can you imagine one-third of the earth burnt up? And um, this is, did Jesus exaggerate his claim? If this is all true, did he exaggerate his claim when he said it's going to be worse than it's ever been from the beginning until now, and I don't want anybody to be here? But the first trumpet is, all the green gas burnt up. So now you've, let me, let me tally it up again. One-fourth of the earth died. Then all the martyrs are rounded up. Then earthquakes like we've never seen. And then we start the trumpet judgments, which one-third of the earth is burnt. And then another earthquake. So the earth is just convulsing. How many have ever heard on TV about these massive earthquakes that if they ever were to hit, you know, this is what it will look like. Well, this is all hitting at one time. The Antichrist thought he was going to have this great kingdom and had all these great ideals, but God's like, here, do what you want to do for your few years, but I'm going to just let it go. I'm going to let everybody have what they wanted. You didn't want me, so I'm just going to let it go for this period of time and just let you have it. And uh, there's going to be people that are going to be saved, but it's going to be through the blood of their testimony. Hallelujah. I'm giving you a quick crash course. I'm not taking time on any of these, but I'm just giving you a quick overview of what's going to happen. I'm going to stop at the seventh trumpet. The second trumpet, it says in uh, Revelation 8, 8, Then the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain of burning fire was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures living in the sea died, and a third of the ships were completely destroyed. Can we even picture this? Third of the oceans, third of the sea creatures. Can you imagine them all belly up in the ocean and a third of the ships destroyed? I mean, I just, it's hard to picture, isn't it? 
Then we go to the third trumpet, Revelation 8.10. Angel blew his trumpet. A huge star burning like a torch fell from the sky. It landed on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. Now that name of that star is Wormwood. So a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from these waters because they were poisoned. So now it's a third of the rivers and the springs of water. In fact, when I started reading this, I started thinking about Esau. I mean, remember Esau was hungry and there was a famine in the land and he was looking for a morsel of food and he sold his entire birthright because he was hungry and the Bible says that he tried to repent after that and it says that he repented with tears but he wasn't repentance wasn't received from Esau and how many of you know that the Bible says that if you take the mark of the beast in this period of time, that there's no way for forgiveness. You're, you're damned to hell if a person takes the mark of the beast. And now you're going to be presented with the, where do I get a drink of water? I can't get a drink of water out of the river. I can't get it out of a well. I can't get it out of some of the, you know, the oceans don't have, you know, they're poisoned. Now we've got earthquakes everywhere, food you can't buy. People are betraying me and turning me in. They're hating me. Jesus said, all around the world they will hate you because you believe in me. Fourth trumpet, Revelation 8, 12. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet. Third of the sun was struck. Third of the moon, third of the stars. Uh, They were darkened. There was no light for a third of the day and for a third of the night likewise. I don't know what happens here. But light, for some reason, we're not getting a full day of light. Some people believe it's because of the earthquakes and the volcanic eruptions that's going to cause. There's a thing where the clouds go up and cover the sun and the sun can't come through because of all the, you know, the pollution from the volcanoes. And, but we've, we've got basically meteorites hitting the earth, which is something they predicted for a long time. They claim if they told you all the times they were close to the earth, it would scare you. So NASA doesn't tell you. But all these cosmic things the Bible are saying are happening in this seven-year period. And it says, um, 8.13, Then an angel, it says, I heard, I looked and I heard an eagle flying directly overhead, proclaiming with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those living on the earth because the remaining sounds of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to blow them. So an angel is actually flying through the air warning that the last three trumpets are really bad. All right, And so a fourth of the earth has already died. They've already rounded up believers and martyred them. And they're innumerable coming into heaven at this point. Earthquakes like we've never seen come upon the earth. Right, Third of the trees, third of the grass. Um, the rivers are polluted. The oceans are polluted. The ships are destroyed. Um, and then this angel is saying, watch out, it's getting worse. And then it says, then the fifth angel blew the trumpet and I saw a star falling from the skies. He's given the key to the shaft of the abyss. He opened the shaft of the abyss. Smoke rose out like smoke from a giant furnace. The sun and the air were darkened with smoke from the shaft. Out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. So some type of supernatural locust is coming from the abyss of hell, coming upon the earth. And it says, out of the smoke came locusts on the earth. They were given power like that of the scorpions of the earth. They were told not to damage the grass of the earth or the green plants, but only those people who do not have the seal of God. Uh, the locusts were given permission, to, not given permission to kill him, but only to torture for five months. So if things weren't worse, 
I don't even know what this is, and I'm not going into detail. All right? But this is the next trumpet. Then it says, um, But only to torture them for five months. Their torture was like that of a scorpion when it stings a person. In those days, people will seek death but not be able to find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. And so it gives a description of what they look like. Here's the sixth trumpet. 200 million horsemen. Um, and they're going to kill one-third of the remaining people. So there's going to be an army of 200,000 people. In fact, the four angels are going to drive the Euphrates. There's going to be an army of 200 million people that are going to cross the Euphrates. And they're going to actually kill one-third of the people on the earth uh, through battle. They're armed armed uh, warriors. And so we don't know what's happening here. I mean, oh, this is a bad situation. And this ends in a battle, maybe you've heard of it, called Armageddon. And if you look at that particular piece of land, it's 200 miles. And the Bible says there will be so many casualties in the battle of Armageddon that there will be blood up to the bridles of the horses. It will flow like a river. There will be so many people in that battle. One battle I haven't even discussed um, in my the end series, I went over the Gog and Magog War. That's where Iran, Russia, and Turkey come against Israel. And that one's probably before the tribulation. And there's so many bodies there, they're burying them for seven years. And so, did you just hear that it said one-third of the earth dies in that, that one trumpet judgment with that 200 million person army that comes from the east, which, you know, India and... Uh, India and China basically both have one billion populations. And China right now says they can put an army together of 200 million people, which they've been quoted as saying that. Um, So what I'm saying, church, is when you lose one-fourth, let's just say one-fourth of the earth dies with the seals, one-third of the earth dies with the trumpets, that's 50% of the population. That means one out of every two on the earth will die. Just from those two. That doesn't count the earthquakes. That doesn't count all the other things that are happening. And so Jesus said, let me read it again. Except those days would be shortened, there would be no flesh that would be saved. For the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. I mean, no, there wouldn't be a person alive if we just let them go. Uh, the society is just completely unhinged and... Uh, Ryan, if you'd come up here, I'm, I'm going to stop there. But I haven't even gotten, I haven't even gotten past the trumpet judgments. I barely have even gotten up to that halfway mark. Uh, Armageddon is on the second half. I got to that one, but you know, I barely even gotten up to the halfway mark where it starts to get bad. It gets worse when the bold judgments come, which are the seven bold judgments. And um, so church, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And and like I said, this is, (laughs) there's no joy in delivering the message, but I think we need it. Um, I tried to talk God out of it. I said, God, please don't make me have to deliver this on Sunday morning. They're going to hate me for this. But church, we need to know this. And if you're not right with the Lord this morning, um, truly, I'm telling you the truth here. Everybody stand to your feet this morning. I can picture in my mind my worst enemy 
There's not a person I'm picturing, but if I had my worst enemy, how many of you would agree I don't want my worst enemy to go through this? I don't want my worst enemy to go through what Jesus... Why would the Bible be true about everything else and then this be made up? I mean, every other prophecy came to pass. Every other prophecy about the economic system that we're looking, staring right in the eye at, it's all coming to pass. The one world government coming to pass. The digital currency the Bible talks about coming to pass. All the things that I've talked to coming to pass. Why would this be wrong? And I'm just telling you, now is the hour of salvation. Now's the time to get right with God. And you say, are you going to compel me or embarrass me? No, I'm actually going to do the opposite. I'm going to say, you can find a place to pray now. And you say, well, man, I don't want to do that in front of people. You can find me after. You say, well, man, I don't want to find you after. People might see me. You can call me. Church, I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you do it. Let me help you get right with God. Because here's the truth. God is a loving God. He cares about you. He wants to know you. He wants to love you. The greatest thing you'll ever do is live for God. And you know what? There's not. I read this stuff in Revelation, and there's not one day that I've ever worried about it. Not one day I've ever concerned about it. You know why? Because I'm so excited about that door being open in heaven. And here's the thing. When the tribulation comes, I'm not appointed to it. When the tribulation comes, that means I'm coming back with Jesus after the seven years. It says all of heaven is going to be cleaned out from one end of heaven to the other. We're going to return with Christ. He's going to set up his kingdom on this earth. And this old kingdom is going to pass away. And he's going to say, finally, evil got its final run. And I'm going to set up my kingdom on this earth. And we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And so when I see it getting close, when I see it's almost here, the Bible says, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. It's getting really close, church. And you got to get excited because Jesus is coming very soon. And that's what we're waiting for. That's what I'm excitedly anticipating is when Christ returns. So we're just going to have a time of quiet here. If you want to kneel at your seat, if you want to come up here for prayer, or like I said, if you want to find me after, or you want to get my number and counsel with me about it. But church, we got to get right with God. Take a few moments just to pray about it. Praise the Lord. Bible says that a perfect love casts out all fear. Hallelujah. And um, that's where the Lord wants us this morning. To love Him so much that um, that love just, there's no fear whatsoever. And um, so let's pray that this morning. Let's pray that um, we would stay so close to the Lord in these days. That uh, there would never be any fear or doubts or or concerns or that our relationship with the Lord just cancels all that out. Hallelujah. We have a Father that loves us this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and um, Lord, I pray over each soul this morning, Lord. 
Lord, we thank you for your word that it's so clear and prepares us so well, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray that your love, Lord, would wrap us, you would just wrap around us, Lord God, like a good, loving Father. And uh, just, um, Lord, speak into our hearts, prophesy to our hearts that um, we don't have to worry, we don't have to fear, Lord. We, uh, we're perfectly loved by you, our Father. And I just pray that upon each person as they go, that you'd put your hand upon them, Lord, and bless them. Uh, everywhere they go, everything they do, everything they say, Lord God, that your spirit would be upon them and bless them, Lord. And uh, your name I pray. Thank you, Lord. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.